welcome to the Independent Artist Podcast, sponsored by the National Association of Independent Artists. Also sponsored by Zapplication. I'm Will Armstrong, and I'm a mixed media artist. I'm Douglas Sigworth, glassblower. Join our conversations with professional working artists. Hey, welcome back to the show, everyone. Will, how are you feeling today? Oh, I'm just uh, just peachy, Douglas. It's lovely. Peachy? Yeah, lovely <laughs> to be back on the air with you. Having a little bit of signs of spring outside today here in Wisconsin. So it's it's hopeful. It's hopeful that it's actually going to happen here. We're going to have uh, a change in season. That'll be nice. Oh, that's a fascinating topic. <laughs> Uh-huh. All right, everyone. Keep listening now for <laughs> riveting conversations yeah. on the podcast. Let's talk about talk the weather. About politics, too? I might as well. Uh, I guess. Right. Well, Everything's going to hell. So it's... Uh, it, it, everything it's, is. Let's keep it topical. No, that is nice. I, the, the birds are chirping, and um, I had to, to shut the windows here in, in Santa Fe. So the okay. birds are on the move and headed north, headed your way. On full disclosure, we are recording this preamble quite a bit earlier than typical because we both have a big run of shows coming up here. I've got Winter Park, and then we've got Bayou City, and I'm going to be on the road solid. So we needed to get this the kind of recorded uh, ahead of time. So if everything goes to hell over the next couple of weeks, we won't be able to talk about it until after right. Fort Worth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're going to Texas, and, and I'm headed back east, too, headed all the way back to the East Coast. For uh, Artisphere coming up in May, too, after my Texas run. Aww. So haven't been back to my old stomping grounds in, gosh, it's been almost two years. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Headed, headed yeah. home. Got to cool. see my folks. How close to our home is Artisphere? Uh, about seven hours. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that does feel real close, doesn't yeah, it? really, really close. And I haven't uh, been back to Richmond. I haven't seen my folks in over a year. And um, mm. so, yeah, they. I will not be partying in uh, Greenville. My folks are actually coming down for the show. So it'll be fun <laughs> to see them. Um, so nobody be uh, twisting Will's arm because he's got to be present and alert for <laughs> the fam. Well, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a different, it'll be a different uh uh, different kind of show, but it'll be fun to see everybody on the road too. So, um, yeah. yeah, what do you got going on, sir? I'm flying out tomorrow for this next run. I know we talked on the pod last week about what I'm dealing with physically. So this is going to be a two-week uh, endeavor to see just how I can maneuver at the shows with my current condition with having these foot braces on my ankles and feeling like I'm wearing two walking casts on my on my feet. Do not be shy about offering Douglas some help. Uh, we'll, we'll, we, we got your back, sir. You're going to be all right. Hopefully. Are you, uh, you at all thinking about, um, you know, if this goes poorly or are you, are you thinking about surgery early and on, um, I am. are you? I haven't wanted to talk about my sweet spring schedule because it, I don't hate to brag, but you know, when any of us artists are handed just the sweetest of sweet schedules, and then you're told you can't do that, it's like, uh, I'd have to be in a coma not to, to do this spring schedule. So I'm going to try my damnedest to make it happen. But my body might not let me. So I'll find out in the next couple of weeks just what I can do and what I can't do. Yep. Uh, we're all rooting for you. So, uh, yeah, uh, be, be strong. We don't have to talk anymore on that topic. It's a, it's a big one. We'll see how it goes. I wanted to talk to you about this, Will. You've been working in your new studio. You've been cranking out some brand new work. Yep. We've been working on a new series ourselves. And we're getting real close to showing some of these new pieces that we've been working on for what feels like 
six, eight months. Yeah. And I've got some big nerves about it. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And you texted me some photos of some new of yours that's just, you know, really cool and quite different than what you've done. Do you ever get nervous putting new stuff like that out in the public? Um. Yeah, I I always do. I mean, you know that I I have a, a bad case of imposter syndrome. Uh, where mm, I'll I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I definitely do. You know, and I, I guess I don't talk about it, but you know, I, I'll I'll make some new pieces, and it takes a minute before I'm I'm really confident um, in showing them. I think I was talking to William Kwame Nepal about this. Uh, he okay. is always confident in his new work. He's like, it's good. And I'm like, I was super mm. jealous of that. And I, I just don't get that right away. So I'll, I'll finish a new piece and I'll take a picture of it with my phone. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I put words in my work for the first time. I'd never done that. And I've really mm. been wanting to. And I talked to, I don't know if you know the artist Bennett. Uh, she uses mm -hmm. uh, words in her work all the time. And, and I remember like at the beginning of COVID texting her and, and just like, trying to get a little advice and get a little confidence and be like, how do you, you know, you finish a painting and like, how do you go about having the confidence to throw words down on top of it? It could just completely screw up the entire thing. And she was like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. You just do it. Just, just go for it. And so I did, I put words down and I took a picture of it with my phone and, um, I don't know. I, I look at it later. I walk away from it. I, I clean up, I shut the door on the studio. I walk away. And the nice thing about having the, the shop about 20 minutes from the house is I can't go back and stare at it. It wasn't until okay. the next day. And so I didn't even look at the picture on my phone. I walked into the studio and saw the new piece and I was like, well, damn, I'm excited about that. That looks that got exciting. Yeah, cool. it did. So I'm nice. I, I've got the confidence and uh, the biggest danger in the words, to be honest with me, is like I don't want to turn it into like um, masculine live laugh love. <laughs> you know, like, mm. what are these things of <laughs> this the shit well, on the wall, and it's not. But well, we do that with the podcast here. We we go back and forth with titles and we do like we, we kick a little bit in our heads about uh, is that trite or is that like, you know, generic. You want your title and your caption to to not dumb down the piece in a way. Right. Exactly. This to me, like I did these and uh, you'll see these, I guess, on the on Instagram or whatever. But, um, you know, they're kind of like gunslinger or cowboy portraits. And mm -hmm. I'm still kind of trying to figure out where I fit in with uh, the West and uh, mm -hmm. the map that I used for the background of this piece. I, I've talked about this before, but uh, the cartographer, one of the cartographers that, that documented the Native American territories from Fort Leavenworth all the way out to Salt Lake, including the top portion of New Mexico, was a member of our family. He's a great, great, great uncle of ours. Oh. And then another member of our family who you can look up in the history books. It's pretty cool. He was a, a big leader in the, the Whig party um, and uh, Willie P. Mangum. But he took that map from all the way out in Salt Lake and carried it back to D.C. in his saddlebags when he was headed back east on the back of a horse. So, I mean, there's some there's some cool Aww. connections that I have and uh, seriously dark connections, too, because a map right. of the Native American territories was not used for 
as something other yeah. than to control the indigenous people of the United States. Take over yeah. and say, this is mine now. Right. Well, here's <laughs> where we go in and kill all the horses and round up all the buffalo. And so wow. it's, you know, trying to come to terms with that. So they are mm. just kind of they're cool gunslinger portraits, but they're also, you know, have my own connection to, to the history. Wow. We talk a lot about yin and yang with the podcast, but Renee and I have that same kind of yin and yang with our glasswork. And, you know, these new pieces we're working on, she feels really confident. She feels she sees them and she says, I like them. And if she likes them, she feels confident to put it out in the world. And that's enough. But for me, I I do kind of what you're talking about. I, yeah. I go, well, there's this and there's that. And what if it's that and this and back and forth and back and forth. And maybe it's the Libra thing. I don't know. But <laughs> I also have a little bit of the imposter thing going. Like, I feel like I don't want anything that we make to replicate anything we've seen. Yeah. And then you start doing it and we see so much great stuff out there. You don't want your influences to seem like a knockoff right. or an attempt at a knockoff. So I'll be like, well, we can't do that because it looks like this. We can't do that because it looks like that. Yeah. So we really strive to make our stuff look uniquely us, which adds a little bit of a stressful complication for me in, in the process. Yeah, I can totally see that. I went through the same thing with this, this series because I wanted to use uh, different parts of collage and I wanted to use like on top of that map that I talked about, I wanted to use like some old comic books, like Western comic books, too. And mm -hmm. I ended up not using those. I have a whole pile of them that I, I bought and I didn't use them because it was starting to look a little bit like somebody else's work. And I'm like, I, I can't do that. I don't want to step on those toes. I don't want to get out there and be like, oh, this looks like Dolan. And I'm like, well, I mm -hmm. freaking love Dolan. And I don't want to, you know, yeah. I could see, you know, if you look at the pieces that I created, they don't look anything like his work. It's it's 100% me. But I don't know. You definitely catch yourself. You know, Dolan's a good friend. And I and I super admire his work, too. So I don't want to yeah. look anything like it, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't want that person coming in the booth and being like, I saw the same thing down the street. It's like, oh, brutal. Ooh. That's There's nothing worse. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that is different about what we're working on, and this might kind of be a good thing for me moving forward with what I'm dealing with physically, is we are we're, we're doing blown components that we're working in a different way. We're using smaller components that we're remelting in an oven, putting them together in, into larger pieces. So these pieces, it used to be, you know, when we blow something, we could spend an hour on a piece, put it in the oven the next day, do some finishing work for a few hours. But the turnaround rate is pretty quick on some blown vessels, for example. Mm -hmm. But when you're working on components and then putting them together into something bigger, we're, we're investing a lot more time and energy to finish an entire just single piece. Right. And that's different than how I've worked before. So that also puts a little bit of pressure being in like a new element that I'm not comfortable with or familiar with. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, here's a question for you. I feel like I'm interviewing sure. you. Um, yeah. When you create a new piece like this, how long are you going to give it in your booth if it doesn't sell? Mm, an hour. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't bet, know. I bet you I'm not far off, right? Like, <laughs> like I probably am going to be tormented in, in, um, 
in Fort Worth because I think that's going to be the first time these pieces see the public eye. I'm going to be like, ah, shit, they hate it. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've heard you say the same thing, how you right. how you're just like, okay, I'm going to put it in the back. I mean, we all <laughs> want that experience like uh, Daryl Thetford talked about in his episode last year, The Courage to Say No. He just happened to have a new piece leaning against the display and somebody said, hey, what's this piece? And you know what I mean? The the demand just jumped right in and it just took off like wildfire. Right. That's a gift. That's a gift to have somebody respond to your new work like that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And and that's how I want to be. I've got a kind of a Western series and then my more urban series. Mm. It's giving me the freedom to create uh, different stuff. Um, yeah. And I've always had that freedom. I don't know. And, you know, this this takes us right into the Mark Winter thing. But sure. um, Mark talks about that this week, about just creating what he wants to make. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm doing a bit of that. Yeah. Hey, I have a question for you. You're working on the Emerging Artists Program through NAIA. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of wheels in motion and stuff. We're making the opportunity or we're reaching out to young folks to come into this industry. I'm starting to wonder if this industry is even what they want. I mean, are we extending an olive branch and there's like, do they want to come to the streets and sell like what we've been doing for years? Um, What's your impression on the matter on that one? My impression is that it takes somebody kind of special to do it. Like, I don't even know if the the young woman who won the best in show at, in Gasparilla, I don't know if she wants to do shows, you know? like I, she, I'm telling you. Yeah. Like that's, she, the, that's where this question comes from. I see people who are making incredible work and you go to their Instagram pages and they've got what? Like these thousands and thousands of followers and they put something up and they immediately get reactions like crazy. You go to their website and it looks like it's all primed for selling online. I mean, it kind of seems like that marketplace is for that age group. Maybe. Um, But then you've got like Zsa and Zsa's Mm -hmm. in, you know, he wants to do shows. He's going to be at Fort Worth this week and uh, and he's doing some emerging artist stuff since it's like year one uh, or year one and a half uh, for his his business. So that's exciting to see somebody young as talented as he is. So that's awesome. I, you know. Look at any uh, group of artists, right? You know, uh, across the board, gallery or uh, road artists, whatever you want to call it. And it does Mm -hmm. take a special person. So I don't think this industry is dead or dying, uh, but I do think it may take a special kind of person, just like it always has, to convince them to come in and and join us on the street. So, um, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's still got legs. And uh, And the collectors on the road, I mean, are there are the collectors skewing older and older or are we do we have a demographic that is ready to replace our parents who've been buying for years and years and years? Um, I I feel like I still sell to pretty young people, you know? Um, Yeah, I've, I've definitely sold people their first painting and I have collectors and you know, this great couple in Chicago that um, has a couple of my pieces too that are in their late 30s early 40s so I mean you have to be established enough in order to afford it we ain't cheap but um, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. would be interesting to talk to Camille about that from Coconut Grove she was talking mm-hmm. about how do you get younger people to come in and buy the work and she was talking about maybe introducing reproductions into it and I, I don't agree with that I mm-hmm. like my originals only show even though I do have some reproductions that I sell like at maybe one or two shows a year I don't know I did talk to her a little bit about that at Coconut Grove weeks ago 
she said that they hired a PR firm and she kept feeling like this PR firm was skewing to the young people. And she kept saying, listen, you got it. You got to keep. And they're like, trust us. We know what we're doing. And she said she did. And the results spoke for themselves. The, they they brought in the people. They brought in the buyers. And a lot of artists said they had really great shows. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe there is a little bit of a reinvention of the marketing, a reinvention of a lot of things that we just need to kind of step back and assess. Yeah. And, you know, this this uh, conversation that I had with her was pre-Coconut Grove. So I don't okay. know where she's thinking now um, as, as, as far as that goes. You know, I think the thing that could really attract young people is the fact that you work for yourself in this industry. You're completely your own boss, and it really does seem to fit in line with what uh, the millennial attitude that I'm seeing, you know, kind of yeah. – uh, who who are you? I don't want to go to this job or that job. They only want to work for themselves. I think this would be perfect for that group. Yeah. We need more people like Nanika to come in and kick all of our asses because her That's work true. is incredible. I want more young people in the business. Just so you know, she would not be considered a millennial, Will. She would be a Gen Z. My children are Gen Z and they hate it when we call them millennial. And I say, you know what? If you don't like being called a millennial, then stop calling me a boomer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, boomer. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Nice comeback. All yeah. right. Because hey. nothing makes you sound like, um, actually, young man, the uh, boomer is from the baby boom after World War II. And then you're going to okay. get, okay, I've boomer. just fallen asleep now yeah. listening to you explain that. <laughs> they're like, no, that's roll like back. you do, you hit that. And then it's like, you, their only response is like, okay, boomer. They just hit you. Okay, boomer. I'm like, shut right. the fuck up with the that. boomer. All right. Um, hey, so you had a great talk with Mark Winter this week. And as I'm listening to it, I'm thinking to myself, this is just like a series of outrageous stories. I mean, he's got the best stories in this interview, Will. He does. Uh, that's what I love about Mark. And I was hoping uh, we could capture some of that in our talk. And I, I couldn't have been happier with the results. So um, sitting down with Mark was a super easy talk for me. I always look forward to seeing him at shows. And uh, he's one of the funniest guys I know. So uh, looking forward to everybody here in the talk. All right. Here is Mark Winter, sculptor from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This episode of the Independent Artist Podcast is brought to you by Zap, the digital application service where artists and art festivals connect. Hey, Will, do you remember the old way of doing these applications with red dots on the slides and self-addressed stamped envelopes? Do you uh, still have a rotary phone, Douglas? No, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just like that they were with us back then when we made the switch from analog to digital. It's a huge switch, and now Zap is the industry standard. And they're always creating features that make our lives easier, too. So I do like what Zap does, and I do like that most of the shows I apply to are on Zapplication. Exactly. So I personally appreciate what Zap is doing, and thanks for not making us reinvent the wheel every single week like we used to have to do. Nice to see you. Hey, man. I, I've got my notes here. I just um, I tried to, to spell what a fart would sound like. <laughs> So you could just. I think it should just be one of us makes the fart noises and one of us giggles, and it'll be <laughs> it sounds... the Will and Mark giggling fart hour. That's all we're gonna do. It sounds good. We might have our own spinoff podcast. I mean, what else are we gonna talk about that you already haven't covered? I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, just just that, right? I mean, uh, I'm sitting here thinking about our conversations that we've had yeah. at shows, and it, it pretty much is is giggling right. fart hour. Yeah. What are you doing? What's happening I... up there in Milwaukee? Well. Um... Currently getting ready for uh, Winter Park. 
Okay. We're heading down soon. I was surprised you were available because so many people are, are doing the, the Gasparilla. You're not a Gasparilla guy. I, yeah, I am. Sure. Okay. No, I just the way the calendar fell and the way things happen and family stuff and, you know, life in general. Yeah. It worked out. But is Winter Park your, your first one yeah. then? Mm-hmm. Since this so was, yeah, uh-huh. it'll be the first one. So last time I saw you, you were getting pulled over just outside of Denver. <laughs> How'd that work out for you? That was, uh, okay, so I was whipping through, I was excited to be like almost there at Cherry yeah. Creek, and I had been really good about driving uh, right around the speed limit, and there was a construction zone, and I just completely blew right through it, didn't slow down, going like 75, and it had been a 70 or a 75 right before that, didn't slow down mm-hmm. for the construction site, mm-hmm. was right in line with traffic, and they pulled everybody oh, in the line really like the entire yeah, row now that makes sense and, uh, i thought i didn't know if it was an accident i'm like do i pull over and see if he's okay like no nah, he's fine he's just <laughs> he's probably racing to get there the, the dispensary is closed at 4 30 and he was 4 20 he had to get there in time i think you had uh you texted me something smart yeah. ass kind of like a cautionary like um way to go asshole or something like that but uh yeah it was me and then a whole line of cars and of course i i, I think i have the most recognizable art show vehicle yeah. on the circuit but um yeah the huge truck yeah. with all the stickers on the back yeah. and like oh there yeah, he is there he is <laughs> pick you up a mile away I, we got pulled over on the way home in nebraska as we entered across mm. the state line or where were we, we were, were they, somewhere were they checking to make sure that you didn't have any any dirty uh-huh. uh dirty he green was, things he was bird dogging me man he wouldn't let me change lanes and he, and he pulls me over for tailgating i'm not a, huh. not a tailgater you know Drive a big no. truck. It's like you don't fuck around on the road, you know, and take it pretty seriously. So he he knew he was bullshitting me, but so he said, "Well, you know what? I'm just going to give you a a warning because you know, well, why don't you come on back to the truck? We'll get get that warning warning straightened out for you." I'm like, oh, "Okay." Huh. And I go back into the squad car, and here's his little companion, Officer Major the K9. Ah. Uh, and I go, "What's your dog's you name? What's your dog's name? What's Major? Okay, Major." And I didn't have. I wasn't. I don't smoke when I'm driving. Yeah. Certainly, it's just not worth it. But he did no ask me. He's like, so did you visit any dispensaries out there? I'm like, no, sir. Really not my thing, I said. And he's like, so what are you doing out there? Where were you? And I'm like, oh, we're artists. And we're traveling. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. Tint, looks like I got tinted windows, but it's not. It's just stickers, you know? But, but, oh, right. So, yeah, he, he picked me out of the crowd for sure. But You've talked about those tinted windows at, uh, down in Florida. They they get you for those? Or I is that what they're for? I don't know, man. I they came with the truck when I bought it from uh, Ray and Patricia. It was theirs, Ray Alfonso. Oh, yeah. So that's the way it came, you know, but it's dark. You can't see in. I don't know if it's even legal. I don't even know. I've never had a problem. Well, if you've got those stickers on your, your van, you don't have to pull over at the um, right. the whatever, the agricultural pull-overs yeah. in Florida. Yeah, people like people say, you know, be careful if you're driving a rig that size or whatever because they can fuck you if they want to, but I've never had any problems. I don't know. I've There's, been pulled over for the Florida yeah. inspection sites before, mm. but... You know, when when haven't I been pulled over? Well, you know, you think of all the miles we put on, how few little, how few things do happen. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, you know? it's true. It's mostly it's, good. We're talking about COVID and, yeah. and dealing with uh, assumed risk. And I feel like it's riskier. I mean, <laughs> it feels like we're kind of on the other side of this yeah. thing finally. But um, and I don't want to get bogged down talking too much COVID right. stuff. But it does feel like an assumed risk yeah. with what we do for a living. Right. And all of the traffic stops and, and everything else that we we throw ourselves on the yeah, line for. Right. 
It's rough out there. It is rough. I'm gonna stick together. So, what are you working on? Are I, you? Uh... Well, let's see. I've been feeling really good, man. The studio time has been like prolific and relaxed. Nice. And just stuff is flowing like never before. I feel that's yeah, I mean, I, amazing. I, I don't know. Every once in a while, you feel like I, I make this step up the ladder. You know, yeah. as far as just as and far as craft, you it's gonna you're s- feeling it right yeah. now. Yeah, it feels kind of the same as it has for the last twenty or thirty years. But sometimes you just go, oh. That's a lot better than it was before. <laughs> so I nice. take my time and make things that I want to make. I think lockdown and kind of reset my process. Some people that work that way. I know. Am I the only one that misses lockdown? <laughs> I thought it was kind of great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was kind of great at, at certain points. Of it. We were up in Minnesota oh, and we were kind of between places to yeah. live. And we we're trying to get down here to Santa Fe. And, and I really, I dug that studio mm-hmm. time a lot, yeah. but now I'm, I just rented a new space. So yeah. that I'm looking forward to that being the next kind of renaissance mm-hmm. of so, creating work again. And you're going to um, commute. Is that right? Yeah, I'm going to commute. It's uh, I just took the keys this morning. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for the space. The light is really good in mm-hmm. there. So I'm looking forward to it. I can, I can work really big yeah. if I want. I've got like 12, 14 foot ceiling. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about doing some massive ones. Oh, yeah. That's a game changer. Um, yeah, it is. It is. But I was going to ask you, I mean, I know a little bit of your history and mm-hmm. you grew up with an art background. You have artists in the house growing up and yep. uh, tell, tell the folks kind of how, how you grew up. I, I, I was told I was conceived at an art fair. So <laughs> Were you really yeah. an art? do I you know it, which one? I think it was some, probably some, one somewhere in Madison near, I don't know which one. I guess it was slow sales that day, or I don't know. But <laughs> they, I was uh, my my mother had been doing shows for forty years. You know, all the little small, way before there was tents, and way before there was. I think you just showed up with your work and a bottle of wine. Yeah, and some, um, pin it to the fence. That's yeah, there exactly. Or, or right, whatever. throw a blanket yeah. on the ground and and see what happens. So they did that for a long time, and I grew up kind of going to fairs with her and kind of be an art fair brat. Do you know the other kind of art fair brats too? Like, did you run across like Kemper no, and Bruno a little, and like? Patrick Nettebeck maybe was the only one, but he was a little older. Don Nettebeck's, so he's been a friend for a very long time, but he was just old enough where we weren't friends. He was a big kid, you know, he was yeah. cool. He was a cool kid. Um, I don't remember socializing with any of them really, but yeah. it was good. And my mom taught art in our basement, in our home. So every Saturday there'd be 20 or 15 kids in the basement wow. for three hours doing like clay. Like what age and, groups? Um, like grade school, young very cool. Yeah. And I, I remember hating it because I couldn't, <laughs> I would want to play upstairs and he's like, quit running around up there. You know, they, I grew up on 20 acres, but of course I have to play in the one spot where she's, of course, teach class. So I remember she invited me to come down and I'm like, I don't, I'm not doing your stupid art classes. That's stupid. <laughs> so <laughs> I rebelled against it. Of course. Yeah, of um, course. She's but, lucky she didn't end up with a, a yeah. Republican. Now. Right. <laughs> it, I was heading that way. Believe me. Investment banker. Yeah. So she, there was clay and, and still lifes and cray paws and oil paints and pastels and just kids making stuff. And yeah. she had a kiln and it was cool. And then at the end of the summer, there'd be a like a group show where all the kids would come and be outside and make balloon sculptures. And I don't know. It was it was wild. Yeah. But um, it opened you up to it a little bit once what? you kind of got over yeah. uh, hating right. it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, did, I did finally pay attention. And it was great having that. You know, as I decided to become an art fair artist, just having someone with experience going here, call this person, bring this, you need a tent, you need this, 
I remember my first art fair was in Cedarburg, Wisconsin, the little whatever Apple Fest or Strawberry Days, whatever, whatever right. fruit, whatever fall fruit related festival. <laughs> There's cider. <laughs> There's shit on sticks and little signs that say, you know, five o'clock somewhere and all that stuff. Of course. Um, but yeah, we I like still, uh, we live up in Minnesota during the summertime and, and you get a lot of lake oriented puns. Yeah. You know, a lot of lake it easy, and <laughs> lake it to the limit, and I don't know, a lot of eagles themed right. somehow. Yeah. Oh man. So that was that was it. That's how I got started. I, I did this little fart fair, and I think I made a thousand bucks. Man, isn't it that like, first thousand feeling? Like, God, that could have been. That should. That was that a thousand felt like a million. Yeah. You know, it was incredible. I couldn't believe it. So I kind of, I was doing auto body repair. I was. A, I have a. What is it? I have an associate's degree in automotive collision repair science and technology or something like that. Okay. So did I, you, was it kind of like a trade school? Yeah. Yep. So you was, went to? It was, I went to Laramie Tech in, in uh, or Wyoming Tech in Laramie. Yeah. Um, it was great. Those are you know? so underrated uh, it, as far as learning skills. It was, it was, I'm glad I did it. No regrets yeah. for sure. You know, and it led me to all my tools that I still use today, basically. I mean, I have the same welder and I, then it got me into the shop. And gave me the space to work, and I just started not working on shitty, rusty 1973 Novas or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, it's just oh, God that that work is just thankless Soul and crushing. oh god. Yeah. It's See, just, but that's where you learned how to stack nickels, I guess. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and all the materials I used for my first piece came from just stuff that was on my floor, from broken car parts or whatever piece of a fender or, a, or whatever it was. And yeah. It's like, huh, this was pretty cool. And then someone paid me for it. And I was like, light bulb. Hmm. Yeah. It's an amazing feeling. I remember, I remember yeah. you mentioned early on about like just making what you want to make. Mm -hmm. But you do that and you you make exactly what you want to make, it seems like. And, yeah. you know, uh, the audience be damned or it comes to you. Yeah. But that's that seems to be kind of what your audience expects from you, I would I would imagine. But um you know, I've been thinking a lot about what we're about this whole podcast idea and talking about our lives and art and things and and humor certainly is a part of my work and I I love what it is. You know, it's yeah. that they don't always have to be dark and whatever. But I was given some really good advice early on too. I have a couple of really good mentors, and one of them was that not everything has to be a masterpiece. You know, right? And you move on, you make what you want to make, and I I just have always done it. It's like if I try, I I make a mess. You know, if I, oh, absolutely, I'm going to sit down and make this <laughs> and it just doesn't work. Yeah. And I get frustrated and I get, blah, but I'm always there working on something, you know, whether it's successful or not, doesn't really matter. The work is what's important. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes the faces that I'll draw on the notes that I leave for my wife are better than I think <laughs> that the artwork you know, I'm working on a piece and I'm trying to get super uptight. And then I start making those faces inside the pieces and I'm like, mm -hmm. why not? You know, and nobody ever, you're like, oh, I love that guy. Yeah. And it's so you just do exactly what you want. Right. And I feel like the audience comes like, yeah, well, there was a piece at when we were hanging out a little bit at, at uh, New Orleans Jazz Fest. And mm -hmm. we had this little guy in the back of your booth <laughs> that seemed like totally just for you. I can't remember mm -hmm. if it was on a crank or if you just pulled the, mm -hmm. oh, but yeah. I mean, yeah, you remember that piece, yeah. but he just seemed like he was for you. Right. And I mean, he's probably gone. He's oh, probably yeah. long since sold. I, I think that mm -hmm. is true. And I, and I, to me, that's the only, it's, the, it's just the most honest way to do it. Yeah. If I try to make a product, I just, well, 
You know, and that's where I, I've always felt like process is so much more important than product to me. Yeah. Labor is more important than the fruits of the labor, I think, for me anyway. You mentioned having mentors early on. Yeah. Um, how did you go about finding them or how did they find you? You know, I was just, again, with my mother being kind of in the fold. There was a, a pastel painter named Greg McIntosh. I don't know if you ever came across him. Mm-hmm. He's uh, from Ohio, And he's a, you know, a nomad which is to the Midwest circuit in the summertime. And he became friends with my mom because they're both spiritual and healers and givers and kindness, you know, and he had no place to stay. So he would stay in my parents' uh, unused camper trailer for like for months. Sometimes he'd come and just do old town, do lakefront, do um, Hmm. uptown, whatever it was. And he would stay at my parents' farm. He kind of, we set a little studio up behind my studio and he just became my late night critique, scotch drinking, wise, <laughs> incredibly wow. wise man. And he, yeah. you know, he didn't have two pennies to rub together, but he always found money to leave a book behind for me. He would leave this beautiful Francis Bacon museum books that he would, I don't know where you wouldn't get them from. Somehow every time you'd leave, there'd be a, another book. That's amazing. Or another, you know, something. And it's just, boy, he changed, he changed my life for, for sure. Yeah. And then I was, uh, Beth's father is a photographer and he was working at a really big uh, advertising studio here in Milwaukee. And I would go and kind of work odd jobs there and make kind of make props for before there was Photoshop and things like that. So I would physically make things they needed for these for these shots. And the other one of the photographers there was another cool guy and just knew about cool music and turned me on to Joel Peter Whitkin and oh man, you know all this stuff. I was like I don't know how do you find that when you're by yourself in the Midwest. (laughs) Yeah, you you can't. I feel like there's, there always has to be like with music or books or, or both uh, like the, the cool older brother, you know, your nerdy friend or hanging out. He's like, get out of my room. And then like, You know, you play in my stack. quit playing my audio speedwagon records. Get out of here. <laughs> right. I mean, like, have you heard of uh it's like here, listen to this. Okay, but don't touch it. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. I was I was lucky, man. They they kind of came to me, you know, and I don't know, timing, I suppose, and me being willing to listen and pay attention. Yeah. And take and it seriously. Taking it seriously is huge. Yeah. I mean, listening to the things and sometimes they plant little seeds that you don't right. realize you're uh, going to work on until much later. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, that's um, what they were talking about. Right. Yeah. And you're, uh, you've done that. I, you met, I mean, I met a couple of people. I bought a painting from your buddy Gabe. I feel like you were yeah. kind of taking him a little bit under your wing and trying to show him some art shows. So you've passed that on yeah. through the years too, that kind of mentorship. For sure. I, I, I do think so. We even, we try, and you know, and it's kind of funny because we try with some other friends here in Milwaukee. They were interested in, so like, oh, what's, what's how's this work? I'm like, well, we can we we borrowed them a, a spare tent we had. You know, they got into Madison off the square. We we made sure they were next to us so that we could kind of be there for them because they didn't know how to do yeah. how to use ratchet straps or how to do anything. You know, right? And it wasn't for them. <laughs> they yeah. just were paralyzed in the back of the booth, going uh, nope. And as far as I know, they never did another show again. You know, and sometimes the light goes on over people's heads, and yeah. and they're like, "Oh shit, I I I I'll never want to work another regular job again." Right. You know, yeah. and then you're hooked. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Douglas talked to uh, your buddy Tom, Warjin. Yeah. Yeah, Warjin. So Tom Warjin uh, talked to Douglas, and oh, cool. um, you've helped him a little bit. Yeah, man. He, he's well. He helps. He helps me more than I help him. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, he's his studio's close. He's about two miles. You know, um, nice. And I mean, that guy is just a wealth of 
tech information and yeah. cool thing. I mean, if I, he's the, if I have something, a problem that I can't solve or I can't fix, he's, he's the guy that gets the call, you know, he's the guy. Hey, can you, and I'm always, I feel like I'm always asking for something, you know, it's like, oh, so giving back is also really cool too. Yeah. You know? And we help each other out. Of course, it's, it's good to have, have a network of. Yeah. You guys have kind of a, have a little art, art scene going yeah. on in, in Milwaukee a little yeah. bit. You've got Tom and um, I don't know. Well, NASCAR is up there too now. That's right. He just yep. moved up there. I don't know if you've seen him yet, but mm-hmm. um, he's, he's in he his me, little. Uh, he owes me a hundred bucks. So. <laughs> Does he? Yeah. <laughs> Did uh, were you part of that hundred buck chain that we passed around at Cherry Creek? Mm-hmm. I feel like that one cracked me up, but it no. was like um, I thought you like gave Whipple a hundred bucks to move something somewhere. Oh, that's right. He that's gave right. Yeah. Back to, and then I gave you, and it was like it just kind of went around in circles. Yeah. You yeah. ended up taking a big painting up to Milwaukee for that's me right. that I'd sold at Lakefront, and mm-hmm. but he hadn't decided until Cherry Creek. But yeah. Um, had to, had yeah, to and then, then again, later. back to the, like the network of people. Like, how cool is that? Like, can you take this to here? Absolutely. Put it. We're going there right now. Put it in the van. Yeah. As much as I like, sometimes like to bitch about art fairs and all the work and just like, Ugh, where are we going? And the weather's gonna suck. Or it's just, those <laughs> things are just so priceless, and the, the the characters we meet along the way, and the stuff, and it's pretty great. We're pretty it lucky. Is. We're lucky and, dogs. And we're <laughs> we get to be. Uh, sentimental about it right now because yeah. we haven't done that many right, shows exactly. in the last two years <laughs> ask me like, when i'm ah. filling, ask me when i'm somewhere in georgia filling up my tank for the 19th time at five bucks a gallon seriously you can't even use your credit card one time <laughs> after it it's a Max it's like dollars. it automatically shut off to yeah. at a hundred bucks i'm like i still got 50 to go <laughs> right. if you're gonna charge me five dollars a freaking gallon for my 30 oh, gallon no. tank what's happening this year for you guys what what's going on right so kind of the usual, I guess, we're still um, Jazz Fest. Oh, nice. Jazz Fest. We are the ah. first. Can you believe it? Then Old Town. We've got memories. That you're my favorite date at Jazz Fest. <laughs> that was, I, I was thinking about that today. Like, Jazz Fest is just such a special ah. thing, you know? It is. We are, we are such a barnacle on the ass of the music festivals. Like, we're just so happy to be there, you know? It's like, <laughs> right. No one's going to give a shit if we're not there or not. You know, it's like, oh, there's not that overpriced sculpture dude here. Oh boy, damn it! Like no oh, one's, you know. Okay. The music is so good, and the food and the ah, oh, it's incredible. Oh, it's the best. I've had tears of joy coming up down my face many times at Jazz Fest because you just have that experience that it's hard to explain unless you do it, you know. And the food, we can go on about Jazz Fest all day, but so then so, we have yeah, like Terry Creek, I guess, and uh, nice. We'll see the rest. Oh, uh, Des Moines, most likely. Cool. I'm probably forgetting five other ones, but. Eh. You guys, uh, do you always do the same, like ever, ever have trouble, ever split up, or do you guys just do the same stuff? We, yeah, I mean, it's obviously not always up to us, right? If one of us of gets in, one of us doesn't. We've been pretty lucky for the most part. We get into most things we apply to. Um, not always, of course, but. But you're operating at a high level. It's not like, you right, know. Right, exactly, right. You know, you're, you're doing because the same stuff. There's one van, so it's going, or you're going in it, or you're not going. That's the kind of yeah. thing. You, you guys know. ever do uh, just go along as, as support, or no? Yeah. Cool. Any competition yeah. on that front at all, or no. the metal and paint keeps you away from it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's good. Oh, no. It's I mean, we're, we're, we, it's, it's, it's a te- we're a team. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I can't imagine. It's just a lot of work yeah. for one person. Um, it is. But... We make it work and we always have fun and we at least try to. We like each other. So it works out, you know? I mean, that's everything. Yeah. 
and and just yeah, also was, having having someone for that for the for critique is such a big thing. Like I've got three pieces in the kitchen right now that I bring home because I can I talk about commuting. I commute to my Beth mostly paints in her house. Okay, but I commute about half an hour. It's under half an hour every day, and I different part of Milwaukee. Just yeah, kinda... at, so my studio is in a, a suburb of, of Milwaukee called Menominee Falls, okay. about half hour. Uh, just uh, you, or you have other yes. folks working there? My parents, I still it's my parents' property where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Nice. So I'm spoiled. It's you know big and free and what more? What more can you say? <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, you big know, and free is big and yeah. free is. I mean, I've yeah. got acres of stuff. My studio probably takes up about four acres. Oh my god! I would say. <laughs> How much uh, like foundry stuff and yeah, um, well, the like the building and all just random things and scrap metal and things I've been collecting. See, I've got a lot of crap, way too much. Yeah, you know, you have kind of a junkyard out there. Yeah, like basically, you, it's uh, yeah, like a mini, mini mini junkyard, exactly. And yeah. my dad is a retired engineer, for, uh, excavating and grading engineer, so he basically drove bulldozers to life, right? Okay, so you operate heavy equipment, so we've got a little. A Mustang skid loader, so I can pick things up and move things around, and it's huge. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I go there and go through my junkyard and and pick up random pieces that I've collected. Random and bring pieces them, that you've yeah, been working on. Kind of bring well, them in. Well, the studio where do you and, get your stuff? And like, where do you where are are you like junk collecting, or do you have to buy a flat? I steel. Or? I have yeah. I I try not to buy any new steel. I really don't yeah. need to. Um. I like when I do because it's just easy to work with and mm-hmm. clean and all that. So I'm doing more and more of new metal lately because it's just so much easier. But the first 18 years or so, I just was constantly picking up scrap wherever I get my hands on it. Some yeah. ill-gotten, some legally, you know, we don't, we don't <laughs> sure. need to know the details. No. And once the word starts spreading that I people bring me the stuff all the time, you know, mm. I'll, come, I'll come to my shop and there'll be a pile of stuff at the door, you know. Do I, you like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> From mo- almost always. There's... But you got to take the good with the bad. You know, there's of course. my uncle drops off his broken TV. It's like, oh, thanks. Mm. <laughs> not, a, not, not that kind of junkyard, dude. But um, <laughs> right. You got a lot, a lot of trips to the yeah, dump. Yeah. Thanks. Do you want this microwave? What? No. Yeah. Does it work? The no, fact that I work on collage, I, I have a, I, I end up taking bags of, of stuff to the recycling for people. Mm-hmm. Like well, that's yeah, that's uh, not what I thank you. Okay, yeah, right. That's not what I I do. But on, on you know on the good end, people bring me um, another uncle. Just he's he's a picker and he's a collector and he's um, he just finds stuff and brings me this stuff. I've got I don't know probably a half a dozen or maybe t- it comes and goes. People kind of it's, it's really interesting to watch what people do. I can tell who brought the pile over by what's in it. <laughs> Because right. right. it's got a, it's got their signature. Like, oh, that's Uncle Dick. Because there's a little piece of brass there, or whatever it is. Yeah, you, know? you can tell. Yeah. So what's I mean, what kind of stuff are they bringing you? Um, it's so random. Old tools and yeah, tools and like antique lamp parts and just some sheet metal or lawnmower parts. You know, like there's a small engine mechanic farmer down the road that saves spark plugs for me when he's done, and and the old metal lawnmower shrouds. You know, and old simplicity bits and and that kind of led to i don't know the other body of my work is the the balls of junk yeah the, and, and those kind of came out of that holy shit why do i have 700 <laughs> oil cans or you know why do i have nine thousand wrenches that are I do, what am i doing right. what the fuck is wrong with me and then the so the balls kind of came out of that out of just well let's use them instead i mean they don't, they don't do any good sitting in a box 
Right. You know, so I just started making the balls and man, every one I've made I've sold so far. It's like, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're always different, but they're the same, you know, so it's kind of interesting and fun and yeah, it's, it's a whole different style of work. And like my studio, has to, I, I change from going from my characters or from a, from a, a, a skull, my whole world kind of shuts down and I regroup and just start dumping stuff on the floor and have, I have boxes and bins and carts and things on wheels. And I just bring it all to the center of the room and just start going. Okay. Put them together. So when you mentioned like those balls, you know, the fact that each one of the ones you've made has sold, does that ever feel like a burden to you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Because once something, once you have something that that kind of sells, Mm -hmm. You have to. I I do anyway. Feel like I have to make it again or yep. do yep. do something. And and how do you how do you stay fresh with that? Right. It's because it's it's starting to it's starting to feel like work. Mm-hmm. And I go, Ugh. <laughs> but I yeah. think the balls are different because it's they're so random that each one is individual. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I and, get you. Though. You know, and then price. You know, money is the the. I keep keeps raising. the ball rolling. <laughs> <laughs> and the ball jokes. There. Let the ball jokes begin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's get Gregory's story in here. <laughs> so, yeah, ball I jokes are always fun. Gregory's balls. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing with the balls, that's more people bring me more weird things at shows now. So that's happening. Do they? I've had, yeah. I don't know if you get any of this, but I had a box of vintage gynecological tools, human skull. I had a, oh my god! I've had the, the weirdest one. Somebody brought you a box of of vintage gynecological tools yeah. to the show. Oh yeah, huh. I've had people bring me boxes of tools, things that they're like car weird little key fob things, like random little whistles. And, and oh, here I thought about you. I thought you might use it. So I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind <laughs> I've of had it in my drawer for yeah. forty years. Oh, yeah, yeah. So people bring me all kinds of weird stuff, and that's really fun. Uh, you can't even make this shit up. The guy in Des Moines is like, hey, you're the first person like, I've ever met that maybe could use this. I said, and I was telling this because another collector gave me a human skull as a trade years ago. Yeah. I have a skull, a skull collection. <laughs> you know yeah. where he got it? Well, yeah, I do. It's not important. Okay. Right. Are, you, are you a cop? <laughs> are you right. a forensic Moving expert? On. Of, are yeah, you a forensic on. expert of some sort? Is there any hair on this the skull yeah, right. still? So anyway, um, I was telling the story to this other guy, and he's like, "Well, I got something you might maybe could use." I'm like, "Okay." He shows up with a, a bucket full of rattlesnake heads in formaldehyde. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Swear to God, <laughs> and like an open bucket. Well, yeah, it had a can of it had a cap on it. It was like a okay. three gallon, two gallon bucket. Not glass. You got to pry that off the top. Yeah, and you take like a paper, paper, like a Tupperware oh. thing. And he said, "Boy," and I open up like, "Oh, sure enough, bucket of snakeheads. No shit." <laughs> it's like, um, sounds, oh yeah. my god, what do you do with? So I said yes, and I got them there in my shop. I got a bucket of snakeheads. You got a bucket of snakeheads. So if you ever need one, you know, well, you call me yeah. first. I know plenty of people on the art show circuit that seem like they have a skull full of snake heads but, uh, <laughs> rattling around in there. Like, yeah. Jesus. You know, and so that's, that was, that was pretty wild. I don't know if you've ever, so you've done um, Main Street, Fort Worth, obviously, mm-hmm. many times. Yeah. And, and I, I love that show. But I don't know, do you, have you ever, do you remember meeting the, one of the local characters, the guy that always has the colored suit on, either one day it's yellow and the next day it's green or the next day it's yes. blue? I know right, that. With the yeah. hat and the shoes yeah. and the gloves, right? 
And if you've done this show, you know who I'm talking about, most likely. I know exactly who well, you're his talking name, about. His name is Pedro. And Pedro came into my booth and he was looking at the balls and he's like, oh, man, this is, mm, this is, oh, I got some, mm, he's beautiful. I got some of these. Oh, I got, mm-hmm. I got lots of them. Oh, mm, this is beautiful. And he's going on forever. If you ever told he's sweet as, you know, yeah. And he's just going on about how much stuff he has. And I, I, I got boxes of them. And he's pointing to these like antique bits I've got in the ball, like these old, cool skeleton keys, you know, and shit you can't yeah. find, like hard, it's hard stuff to find, old vintage locks, weird stuff. Cool. And, he, and talking, he's like, well, do, would you, do, you want, do you want some of us? I'm like, oh, you sure. So I, yeah. went, I went to Pedro's house. No way. And it, well, house is a, r- a weird, weird word because he was squatting. Place in he this, lives. Yeah. He was squatting in this place that had no power. Uh, a neighbor would run a cord over to him if he needed to use the power, but he didn't want to turn the power on because as the landlord drove by, he'd see he was in there, he'd get in trouble. Oh, my God. So, I sh- so it's a sh- really bad part of town. And <laughs> so I go in this guy's house and he goes, oh, come on, come on in, come on, come on, come on in. And he's like, bring a flashlight. So I get on the side and he- it's so packed, full of shit. In the entryway, and he goes, "Oh, scooch in so I can close the door." Oh, so I scooch in and I close the door, and it's pitch black, and it just smells like turtles. It's just, it's, you know, it's just wet. It's moist in there. And I click my flashlight on, and Will, I swear to God, he's like two inches from my face. <laughs> he just goes, he goes, "Hi, hi, hi." I was like, I'm like, oh, this is how the winter saga ends. I'm gonna feel a little needle prick in the neck or in the butt cheeks, and and then that's it. And you'll never see me again. And I'm You're part with, of the storage. Yeah. Now I'm with the turtles. That's where I keep them in. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I in this, I'm in this guy's house? Yeah, don't go in that room. Don't That's where in, I keep yeah. the ladies. Mm, That's the lady room. I was just waiting for that, Jesus. that to drop. And, but turns out he just had boxes and boxes of organized. Seriously. Amazing shit he's been picking up off the ground for 40 years or so. Wow. He saves, did you take some of the stuff oh, yeah. off of him? Oh, yeah. I, I loaded the back of my van up. You know, I gave, yeah. him, I gave him like 200 bucks. I don't know. I gave him some money. I forget what it was. Cool. So I've got a friend for life in Pedro, but. Um, Perfect. Yeah. It's just crazy. <laughs> you're going to go, you're going to go Pedro shopping when you go back yeah. to Texas in April? Well, I would do it again. Absolutely. Oh. So and the, the great thing is just to, to give Pedro a nod. So as crazy as his house, it's like, it's, it's dangerous in there. There's so much stuff. It's top. It's forming tunnels tunnels yeah it's literally forming tunnels and and there's hills and there's mounds and, and and when you get to like you know so you know his fancy clothes he likes to wear his his yellow suit or his red suit yeah there's one room that's just full of clothes and on the wall perfectly hung up is the red suit with the hat and the shoes below it the blue suit <sighs> with the hat the shirt everything's just just so completely perfectly laid out on this on their own special hangers each one has, has plenty of room I was like, oh man, that's his that's his deal. He just I don't know. Anyway, so things like that happen at our fairs, you know, yeah. and, and those experiences I think are just, you know, so wonderful and I don't know. They are, man. I mean, the people that you meet, I don't know. I remember being in a really, really shitty Florida show down in St. Pete somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I met this guy who came in and and shit his pants for emphasis in his story. Like he was like, and that's when they stole my chair. And he lifts his hand up and he just goes, and just un- unloads one in his pants. I was like, that's oh okay. I I didn't 
one uh, I'm glad I didn't catch that on video yeah. or maybe I should have I don't know people are uh people are good and then you Ugh. you get the sometimes you're just out there on display for everybody to yeah and that that certainly can be hard and I certainly the the not becoming the gristled angry old man in the back of the booth sometimes can be really hard too do you I mean yeah totally you know, how do you strike that balance I was going to ask you about I mean, I think a lot of times if you have a sense of humor in your work, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it, it opens you up to being a bitter old crank. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, if, you, yeah. if people don't get it, and I know a lot of uh, folks that do have senses of humor, and I don't think about that. Is Like, how do you walk the line between doing what you want and then being misunderstood and, and people not getting uh, the humor or, or understanding the meaning behind the, the, yeah. the work? Personally... At the shows, it's you know, um, perhaps Blue Ribbon is a, a big help, um, <laughs> or whatever local variety of, of ale you might find. Uh, yep. You know, and I think it's certainly easy to second guess and start to question and go, "What am I doing? Who's no yeah. one wants to buy this idiotic thing?" And but then all of a sudden, hmm, it happened, and someone did buy the idiotic thing, you know, and they love it, right. and they take it home, and they and it brings them joy, and they're like, "Okay, that." But that's what it's all value. about, too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, does that beat you down at all? Kind of, uh, do you, you don't seem like a big second guesser, uh, but do you, do you second guess your stuff? More than I should probably. Yeah. Know? I don't know. It's tough. I, I do feel like there are those personalities in the art show world where you've got, um, you know, people just making exactly what they want and they mm -hmm. make it and they don't seem to doubt themselves at all. Mm -hmm. And then you got, um, and then you get Anthony Pack, and Anthony's like, fuck, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And I love Anthony. It's certainly yeah. no slight to him, but I think he takes uh, every single one of those expressions in his booth mm -hmm. just really personally. <laughs> yeah. You know? I right. mean, it, yeah. and it, it is hard to deal with, with the, the humans. Yeah, right. And it can beat you down. And I, and I think, too, like, I always I remember when I first started doing shows, and that was neighbors of somebody who was the old cranky guy in the back. I'm like, there's just this negativity and this toxic. This booth was toxic, and no, you don't want to go yeah. in there. You know, he's got his nose buried in his newspaper, and just he's bitching about where his storage area. It's like really, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I kind of just said to myself, I never want to be that guy. Yeah, you know, because I didn't like it at all. And you got to check yourself sometimes. And I mean, I used to say I could feel my ponytail growing in when I'd get real cranky. <laughs> You're like, oh, careful. I can yep. feel, you know, feel that ponytail just yep. start to, to take form. Uh -huh. It always seemed like these the yep. bitter artists that had been through yeah. every iteration of art show that were just sour. I don't know. Plus, hey, you've got Beth to keep you honest. Yeah, too, that I'm helps sure. sometimes. And, we, and we'd, we'd check each other. You know, she she's the same way. I, we were just at... The last one we did together was Cherry Creek, and she really didn't have any sales to the last minute, basically, on Sunday. Wow. And everyone else around her is just killing it. And I could just see her just going, like, hey, oh, yeah. like, hey, hey, over here, what are you doing? Bring her yeah. back, you know? Not right. today. You can be shitty on Monday. That's fine. <laughs> you, can, you can do 100%. The whole ride home, you don't have to say a word. I don't care. But right now? Mm -mm. We're, we're we're busy. We're working. This is work. Good. You know, this is Good important. For you. Yeah. You know, I, bring, bring your A game. You have to. But then, I mean, sometimes I feel like I can't make any money until I really bitterly complain that I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, hey, whatever works. If that's you, if that works for you. <laughs> like, okay, let me get it. to work. Man, right. this fucking sucks. I hate this show. You're like, oh, hi. How are you, sir? Can I shine your shoes? Oh, man. 
Wow. Did yeah. uh, so? You guys haven't done anything since since Cherry Creek, and you're not going back out until Winter Park, which is two weeks from now, or yes, maybe next weekend. Right. I was I did pause after Cherry Creek, and then that was it. Okay. So yeah, and we we um, been working on we bought a property that we're going to turn into an Airbnb slash gallery oh, nice. in Milwaukee. Uh huh. So that's been really fun and time consuming and project to work on. Yeah, you do all that work your, yourself too, right? Yeah, yeah. We've been doing pretty much everything except for floor sanding mm-hmm. and I had my carpenter buddies built the deck for me and but for the most part we've been doing it all and it's been perfect it's, it's been fun you know yeah that we'll is see fun. how it goes we i've never i've never done airbnb on the other side of it before so we'll see cool how what that part goes. of town and uh, the bayview neighborhood oh i love the Bayview. yeah it's cool it's a it's a the spot could not be any better i mean it's you can walk to 14 amazing restaurants mm-hmm. there's there's bowling there's a library it's close to the bus line. Excuse me. There's tattoo and tattoo removal right next door. So you got <laughs> you got so both you, sides. You got it. You got it. What more do you need? Yeah, I There's love a, Bayview. I was staying there for yeah. Lakefront uh, a few years back, and I felt like I was immediately part of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like just went into the local watering hole and and immediately met like the bartender yeah. was like, "You've never been here before. Mm-hmm. What's your name? Come on over here. Well, yeah. you might like to talk to Amanda and her girlfriend. They're mm-hmm. getting ready to move to DC. Like it was immediate, just yeah. like in the fold. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a good little it's a good little spot. So we're excited about that. It's moving slowly, but you know, s- slow progress is still progress. That's my motto. Yeah. What's your your goal on that uh, opening this well, this summer? Or? Yeah, I think so. You know, our goal was to have it open two and a half years ago, but the world did not agree with the with that plan. <laughs> no, not not a big time for travel. <laughs> right. In fact, we uh. we bought it with an, with hopes to Milwaukee was supposed to host the DNC convention, mm. and um, we were like, oh my god, we could clean up three grand a night or who knows what. Um, but that all got upside down. Um, so yeah, we've been just working on that. It's been kind of cool. Nice. Also as an investment, I mean, art fairs are great, but it's a young man's game, you know? It is a young man's game. Aren't that many young people doing it? We, yeah, we're becoming the old guys. Yeah. Holy shit. Our ponytails are growing in. Oh God. (laughs) Stop stop saying that. (laughs) I can't. I'm sorry. You're going to turn to your side. I'm going to see one and be like, oh shit. I put my foot in my mouth again. Yeah. Sorry, Mark. Mm Mm-hmm. You really, you do look great with a ponytail. It's well, yeah. really you're a handsome devil. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, if I may, if I may go back to, um, I just read this really great book called The, the War of Art. Mm-hmm. Talking about. The um, War of Art? Yeah. Who wrote that one? Stephen Pressfield. Okay. It's pretty great. And it's just talking about creative battles and, and being creative and getting through and. But one of the great, one of the greatest lines I took from it was about keeping your stu- your place in your studio tight and clean and organized. Whatever that means to you, it means different things to different artists, you know. And the reason why you want to keep your place clean and tight, so when the muse decides to enter, she doesn't spoil her gown. I was like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> she's, she's, com- she's coming in. It's just a matter yeah. of when, and I don't want her to spoil her gown when she comes, and that's rude. No. <laughs> so I always, you know, I try to keep my studio really functional, and and because it's chaos in my place, there's so, I have so much sharp, rusty, dangerous mountains of crap. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's that part to me is like the work. How do you keep it? Or I mean, do you keep it organized at least so you can you know where your stuff is? Oh, yeah. And yeah, I'm still your mills. Yeah, I'm kind of not hyper organized, but I'm I'm you know diligent about it. It's, like again, that's that's the work part, going there and doing all that stuff and 
when it's time, when the news does enter, it's not work. It's total playtime. You know, nice. it's just no news allowed, no phone allowed, just music. Nice. So you know. do you take your phone and just turn it off and, or do you just leave it at all? Yeah, I check at the door. I don't have Wi-Fi in my shop either, so I really can't, yeah. you know, stream things. So I just kind of put it by the door and, and try to ignore it as much as possible. That was my favorite part about last summer and, and working out in my in-laws barn. It's like mm-hmm. a big metal, you know, barn building, no service, no Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. You know, I could take a break and then walk to the edge of the property and, and yeah. catch a signal and see if there's anything, but yeah, it was all work, super right. productive. Yeah. Just turn it off. Yeah. And I think that's also what the commute does, you know, and I hope you find this out too, is this, when you go to your studio, if you commute there, it's you go to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to sit around and play video games or fuck off. I'm going when I go there. It's a half hour drive, yeah. know, twenty minute drive. I'm committed to going there to get something done. That's what and, I'm looking forward to for yeah. sure. So it is, it's it's double edged sword because sometimes it can suck. That drive can be a fucking nightmare, you know. Yeah, and it, sometimes it seems like it's oh my god, how long is this going to take? Or tra- you never know what's going to happen on the highway. But right. the commute definitely makes. A different experience, I think. Yeah. And yeah. also taking my kids to school, too. I like that time generally with them, um, except now they listen to, like, the worst music, which is <laughs> just – I really have been encouraging them to, to get into their own stuff. And, yeah. And I'm like, I uh, I have a really broad range of stuff that I like to listen yeah. to, and they think all of that is terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But anyway, taking them to school like a half hour in one direction and half hour back and you come back home and then you have coffee and then you do this and oh, maybe I should walk the dogs. And it's like, mm-hmm. I want to go to work. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to the to the very separate space mm-hmm. and defined break time when I want it. Mm-hmm. So what are you uh, what are you listening to in the studio? What's what do you. Oh, you... man, it's like it's all over the place. Um, when I'm working, it's usually pretty heavy. Yeah, because it's I'm always it's earplugs. I have earplugs in all the time, and my my machines are the tools are loud, so it, you know I can't. The music has to reflect that. I think when I'm I need I need high energy. Like when you're you're the average like Slayer and Tool and all the mm-hmm. the corporate rock one, the big ones. But Soulfly, sure. I like the band Soulfly a lot, and there's a band called Igor, this French kind of industri- uh, experimental weird op- nice. opera, and it's screaming and it's heavy and it's just kind of nuts you know yeah. it's almost too much like over the over the top heavy rhythm pounding just relentless you know that with the yeah, right. whatever it just is just like, echo the, the machinery and the uh, yeah everything else going on you know but then also i mean I, I listen to public enemy and run the jewels and johnny cash and yeah the bellamy brothers i don't i mean whatever like you know it's chris christopherson is i like you know i like bluegrass i listen to Whatever fits the mood, I suppose. Yep. Tom, I love Tom Waits. I've always been a big Tom Waits fan. Definitely. But when I'm when I'm cranking and working, it's it's, it's pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. Or like when my dad walks in when I'm working, he just goes, he looks at me like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? What are you? What is this? Why would you choose to put to listen to this?" I, that's but, why I don't like uh, I don't like people coming into the studio. To oh, be honest, God, I don't. Man, I, it, you know what? I, I I get a lot of it, but I deal with it because it's mostly my parents and they're like today, for example, I show up in my studio and I'm ready to go and there's four people in there. My parents are giving them a tour of their of my of my show. Oh, hi. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. hi. <laughs> yeah. well, you guys are here, you know, <laughs> but 
<laughs> it's again big and free. Everything, nothing has a everything's a trade off. And I yeah. get and I knew I get so many ugh, distractions of people wanting things fixed or oh man, I, it's, it doesn't it never stops. You know, it's and it's mostly good because it's people that have things that I want too. They're you know mechanic or my neighbor or you know friends and family want something welded or whatever it is. It just it's, it's constant. Can you draw a line with that stuff? Or I, yeah, you, I don't know. It's hard to. It's kind of hard to. What are you going to say when your buddy wants this plow fixed? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, come on, bring it over. Well, just well, do the plow. Have to deal with, I mean, everybody has their own burdens, but um, yeah, like if somebody interrupts me, it takes me a really long time to get my headspace back to oh, where totally. I can. Like, like especially if I'm working on faces, and like I'm trying to say a lot with a little, and you have to get your your head right in order right. to be able to do it, and then. Um, like it resets me and it's like, yeah, you were only in here for five seconds, but now yeah. I got to restart and, and yep. have this and I got to, I might have to have another cup of coffee and I mm-hmm. might have to do this. I'm going to change my brush and the paint was flowing just right. And yeah, it drives me, it drives me crazy most of the time, but I, you know, I, and for me, that's okay. If they come in, okay, take your plugs off, take the gloves off, take the welding helmet off, take the welding jacket off, take the, take the pants off, turn mm-hmm. the welder off, turn the fans off, turn the radio down. We're already in five minutes, you know, <laughs> yeah. just, just to say hello. It takes, it's a, it takes a, a bit. So it's distracting, but at the same time, most of the people I help are, they give back, you know, I got people that help me out too. So yeah, it's, um, you're, you're very kind as well. And I also, I help, um, this habitat for restore hmm. or a habitat for humanity restore, you know, I, I well, make friends with the, the two near, near me. They need things repaired sometimes, you know, so They'll get, oh, they'll get a broken table or whatever, or they'll get a, they want a, a hand truck well repaired or something. So he brings them over and I weld them for him. And then he, oh, those guys, oh, they got man. their fingers on all the good stuff. It's like, hey, seriously. Yeah. Here's a bucket of broken wrenches or whatever. They're like, cool. Old keys, wrenches. Right. Or, whatever. Um, Random weird shit. You know, it's funny. You had uh, Luke Proctor on. Yeah. Not a fan. No, just kidding. No, I'm kidding. He's amazing. Wow, <laughs> such a good dude. Oh, he's the best. He made he made me a uh, set of custom hammers that I use. Nice. I think about I think about Luke all the time because I, I I I have this very specific hammer I wanted to. It does a very specific job, right? And you just can't. Yeah, they don't sell it at the at the, at Home Depot. So I approached Luke. I said, "Hey, do you, would you ever consider?" He's like, "Oh, sure, I could do that for you." And I made a kind of I made a, a prototype of sorts of what I wanted to look like. And a few weeks later, here you go. There They're you go. beautiful. Oh, custom so hammers with a little piece down through it. Oh, God, it's the best. He's such a solid human being. He's such a solid human being. That was yeah. not a bad Luke, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely he, right. conjured. He's a, he's, conjured Luke's a giver. Him. He's a giver. He is. Just you know a what? really, really solid dude. If you, do, if you call him, if you, like, you need your gutters cleaned out, just call him. He'll come over. He'll take care of it. Not a problem. Whatever he's you got need that- both of you guys kind of have that Midwest kind of, <laughs> kind of uh, the burden of uh, yeah. Wisconsin right. uh, of helping and your mm-hmm. kindness. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think I don't know how many other artists get this to happen to them. I'm guessing you don't. <laughs> right. you ever had people send you pictures of them dressing up your work for Christmas or for Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> no. Or for Mardi Gras or for whatever day it is? No, oh, yeah. I never have. I didn't assume so. I, I get, a, get a little I get a, hat on your. Yeah, I get a fair share of a uh, holiday decorated um, hats on my pieces, which at, fir- at first it kind of bothered me. I'm like, oh, really? Take the hat off of that, you what the fuck? But then I realized like they're just 
they love having my peace in their home and they're just having fun and they're just, you know, that's not, I'm not trying to belittle me or demean me in any way. It's just like they're having fun. Yeah. And what's wrong with that? You know, there's nothing wrong with that. What's, what's wrong with being happy? You know, <laughs> so I now I kind of love it when I get an email from somebody that, you know, 15 years later, they're still decorating their, they're putting Mardi Gras beads on or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Personalize it. It's a whole other cottage industry you could have for yourself. Yeah. How do you guys separate separate the work when the other person is working? How do you, how do you give each other space? The physical space for my studio certainly helps. I mean, I like I said, I'm, I go. I don't have any of my work here unless I'm bringing it home for Beth to look at. Right. She right now is painting upstairs. She She's going to be painting at the, at the Bayview property that's going to be your new studio the bigger space so she can do bigger pieces as well so i don't know we just coexist and i i come home i make dinner we watch maybe watch a show maybe we don't she goes back to work she beth works so much she works harder than anyone i've ever ever seen the hours yeah. she spends it's just unbelievable so I, res, I just respect that and let her do her thing and it works for the most part yeah you she's know. she's she's driven help, yeah, um for sure and I help her build, you know, construct the frames and keep the van running and load the van and do all that other bullshit and make sure the booths are together. And, you know, she does, she does all the smart stuff. I do the, the farts and the, the farts and the hammering. <laughs> farts and hammers. It's farts and hammers. That's all I really, what else do you need? You, you provide, it's a valuable service, farts yeah. and hammers. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, we, we still have fun and we, I, we still love the roadworks. We, we, it's still exciting, you know? Yeah, I do too. I'm excited about getting back out there. And, and yeah. I, I, I don't know. I give myself this long between shows and I start to get stupid and weird and forget how to talk to the, to the humans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, for sure. Do you guys do gallery work at all or is it just art shows? Yes. I've done a little gallery work, Beth. Not as much as we, I guess the answer is right now. No, because there are none at the moment. We had a couple of galleries in New Orleans that were, Beth was selling it, and I was selling it too. And oh, is it red truck? No, never red truck. Beth had a show with Chris with Chris Antio though for at before she um, just had her own thing going. Yeah, she's so got, was, just opened up a huge space here in Santa Fe. Yeah, I heard amazing. Yeah. Good for her. So then we, I had a little show at Kathy Rose's gallery, and I used to show at a gallery. God, now the name excuse me, it's already gone. Tresor, it was called, mm-hmm. and it was good. He sold pretty much everything I ever gave him. You know. Yeah. Um, I kind of miss that. We haven't actively sought out galleries either or looked for them or even approached them in any way. It was like, mm, haven't had to. That's great. I mean, I like them for, you know, the off season. Yeah. Um, and then I, I always use them to kind of keep the wheels on the wagon, but I don't. Sure. I don't know. It, it Right now, I things seem so hot. Why take 50% off? Right. That There is you that. Know? Yeah, of course. Right. I started doing um, with a gallery from... Um, Pennsylvania, Bruce Renfeld, an oh, analog yeah. gallery. He started doing art uh, context in Miami. So I for Art Week, I went. I've been doing that a couple years in a row with him. I mean, it's all he's all does all the work. The I guy. just show up, you know. And he did yeah. one in Houston and one um, art art New York, and one in the in the Hamptons. So he every once in a while he'll drag me along to one of his events, and that's been pretty good. Yeah, but yeah. it's kind of kind of a great relationship, I think. Hope he thinks so too. It's a great guy to just. Yeah. I mean, what a casual <laughs> yeah. dude. I know. Just and he's just completely he's, easy going. He's just he's he's got such good business sense. He works really hard. You know, he gets he gets shit done. And I just does. show up with my balls. Here you yeah. go. Here's um, some balls. Yeah, and hey, he did an amazing. 
install at, at uh, JFK just yeah. recently too. Yeah. Which one? yeah, he's become a good friend. Doing that, doing the context show, different like next level thing. You know, the work was just a lot more expensive, and it was just the different, the whole the crowd, the scenes different, and I don't know. It made the street uh, kind of like oh, street fairs. <laughs> I could just come inside this beautiful building and drop my work off and leave and. Everybody waves at your work with a chicken wing or wipes a booger. So kind of something to that. Yeah. But also just the, the prices are crazy. Right. Everything, everything is just, it's just more, you know, real world right yeah. off prices. Right. Right. But it's, it was yeah. cool to be a part of that and see, see famous stuff. And It's tough too to crack that. But yeah, I mean, you can really go and, and try very hard, but you have to be careful. You talk about the prices that of the art, uh, it's prices of the booth too. And you right. can really, you know, in our world, trying to graduate from this to that, get get screwed pretty easily. Yeah, that's a big step. Yeah, for sure. So like, I was just happy to be there. It was pretty cool to be a part of it, you know. Um, there's a story, baby elephant thing. You know, it was amazing. I, I went to Zambia to make a shoe for a baby elephant that got hit with a hatchet. Because who, I mean, who hasn't gone to Africa to fix a baby elephant? <laughs> what I mean, raise your hand if you haven't done that. Come on. Right. Yeah, I got a I get a call from my friend, uh, friend friend in Norway. His name is Danny, and Danny is a horse hoof expert. I guess is the word. I don't know. Takes shoes back off. His thing is called bear hoof. So when horse horses aren't meant to wear shoes, it fucks up their hooves after a while. So his thing was getting the horses back to health after damage the shoe had caused. So he started this whole school. He teaches a school in a couple different countries, I think. Anyway, um, he's in Norway now. And he got a call from this elephant orphanage in Zambia because they had a little baby named Sunny who was eight months old. And they found her with um, dragging her back right foot on the ground. Because someone had tried to kill her with a hatchet or a machete or something. So instead of killing her, they just hit her spine and they wounded her. So her leg was all messed up. Jesus. It's a whole different world down there, my friend. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Um, but anyway, they found her and they scooped her up and brought her to this orphanage. Pronounced the lie. I always pronounced it wrong, but it's in Zambia near Lusaka. And Danny called me and he's like, hey, would you be interested in going to Zambia to make a shoe for a baby elephant? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what? Hello? You're like, what? You know? Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Also, yes. Yeah, exactly. I said, well, where, what, and yes, or my, you know, yeah. course. So we kind of um, did a bunch of Skype calls and we had this little 30 second video of this elephant walking. And I'm like, what do you want to do here? Like, what do you expect? There's no power at this camp we're going to. Okay. There's very limited resources, but we kind of, he had this design. He had the idea. He, he came up with this, this paddle shoe thing that had a sort of extra wing on the bottom. So when the elephant let's walk, would strike the ground first and correct her walk, her gait. Right. Like, okay, cool. So I made a couple things up. I thought would work. Some guy named Nigel from the UK paid for my airfare. Used this David Shepard foundation fun guy. I think I, I never even met the guy and we went to Zambia. That's and we amazing. got there. And it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, we got there, and I just went, "What are we doing here?" There's, no, we're not. I can't help this animal. What the hell do I know about elephants? You know, what am I doing? So we just got to work. You know, and much like 
making art. We just kind of just got to work. Tried to do something, you know. Yeah. So it's she little poor old Sunny was developing these huge like hamburger size wounds on her leg because it would drag in the ground and get infected. And, was this a, a foot injury? But you, you mentioned spinal. Is it to correct? Yeah, so the... it was a spinal injury that's like nerve. The nerves weren't, you know, working as they should. Okay, and it caused her to walk. With a limp. Was that so, something she could grow back out of? Well, or? unfortunately, they had, they, um, the, the story doesn't exactly end well. They ended up euthanizing her a couple of years uh, ago because she, they, the, the nerves never healed. And the vets said, well, if they haven't healed yet, they're never going to. So this animal cannot survive in the wild without human intervention. Mm-hmm. And that's just not there. They don't do that there. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a zoo. She's not a pet. It's a wild animal. That, okay. You know, they do their best to protect them. And it's, you know, hard <laughs> to say the least. So yeah, we, we really ended actually ended up going four times. I went four times back and forth to each time we did it, got a little smarter, got a little better, a little stronger. Farmer down the road had a welder so we could actually make things there. The first time we went, we I was literally going through this garbage pile behind the orphanage of like old broken windows and aluminum shutters and just weird stuff that they put in a pile. And that's what how I, that's what I made the shoe out of was all these random bits of shit that I found on their, in their, on their property. Wow. Strapped it to her leg and she, it was work. It was working. Yeah. It was kind. And then of course it broke because it's a fucking elephant and it's a slow yeah. shoe. <laughs> you know, she weighs uh, eight months. She was 580 pounds. I think it was like that. Amazing. So she, she's getting bigger. It got more challenging and, but she's drinking milk. She's like energetic. She's playing with the other elephants in the orphanage and splashing in the water and being a baby elephant. Yeah. So the first time she started walking, it was like, my, it was such a cool feeling. Both oh, just, you know, just freaking. So we went back. Sec, uh, version two was, like I said, a little stronger, a little better, a little lighter. Did she version, remember you? Oh, I, uh, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't know much, but there was one time I was on like trip three. I was super sick, just miserable, feeling like just garbage. Yeah. She knew. There was a time when I was sick and I was sitting on the steps and, and the elephant. And she walked over to me and put her head against put her head against my chest and put her trunk around my head. Oh, <laughs> and, my she, and she I, she looked she, I, and I'm like she looked right into my eyes. It was amazing. God. So it, it it was a cool experience. But what I want to the reason why I even brought it up because Mark Winter, the auto body guy, didn't yeah. get the call. Mark Winter, the artist, got the call. You right. know what I mean? Like I do. Not that auto body, not that auto body guy couldn't go and make a shoe. That's not what I mean. Like, but the guy that I knew knew I was knew how to make things out of nothing and knew I had this this skill that yeah. could be used in this in this place. And I, and that's Mark Winter, the artist. You know, and I, it was just it was a cool experience. That's it was really cool. And then, yeah. and then just going out into into Zambian karaoke bars where they just sing Kenny Rogers songs all night long. It's like, what the, what the hell is happening? Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I swear to God, every time we went to these bars, it would be Kenny Rogers karaoke. Like Kenny Rogers, so bizarre. That's, uh, did you did you go and drop a little Nazareth on him? <laughs> what's your what's your go to karaoke? I, oh, it's got to be um, you know Digital Underground or Humpty Humpty or Humpty Hump. Nice. All right, Good. stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin the image of the style that you used to. All right. I'll look funny, see, but yeah. you will make a money. I can okay. go on. So, so yeah, that's my <laughs> That's, yeah, we, we don't need to do that. But yeah, Maybe so we, we do. Right? 
the elephant thing was pretty amazing. Again, unfortunately, she didn't make it, but we, we, we tried, you know. And, and you did, and you made a connection there too, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I still talk to the people I met there. And, and also the work we did wasn't all in vain because they it, it raised a lot of awareness um, even in, in town, in, in Lusaka. She suddenly became sort of the celebrity. Come see the elephant with the boot. So people would come and pay the couple bucks to go and meet Sunny. So it raised money for the orphanage and and awareness. It's so, good work, my friend. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That's an amazing story. And I'm glad you told me that because sometimes I feel like we make work in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And in order to kind of put ourselves out there and kind of hit that human cord. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very much. And that, you know, again, that and that's the power of creativity and the power of, of what we do and reaching out and making all these connections and making people smile or making them put hats on shit or getting invited right. to go to, you know. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, you've made that connection with people and they care enough to put the hat on on your work. It's yeah, part right. of their family. It's part yeah. of their tradition. Right. It's part of their home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's important work, <laughs> even if we feel dumb about it. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Yeah. What, do you, I mean, what do you do again? Uh, yeah. yeah. Mark, thank you, sir. Yeah. I appreciate it very much it was an honor i think what you're doing is super cool i'll keep it up i'm can't wait to binge earlier episodes on the way down to winter park this time i think that'd be good thank you man i, yeah. I appreciate that a lot give my best to your lovely wife we'll and promise i will all right, all right my brother peace thanks again peace great talk with mark i tell you what i thought that story that you guys were talking about where he was in the guy's house that was going to turn into like a silence of the lambs or something didn't you <laughs> it definitely felt like that it was a kind of a it rubs the lotion on its body uh, or it gets the hose again kind of situation i was i was worried for him but you know he's he, he made it out he did and that last story about going overseas and and crafting the elephant shoe that story had such heart to it I like how he kind of brought it back to that it wasn't about the technical, the creating the metal thing. It was about the heart and about the the ingenuity and the creativity behind it. I thought that was a really good point. He made a great story to hear on the podcast. Yeah, yeah it was Mark Winter artist that was invited. I love that bit. You know, not Art Mark Winter, the, the metal smith. It's uh, really interesting stuff. Well, it's giving me hope because I tell you, I thought that I was just going to have to give up and turn to Jay McDougal for a, a wooden peg leg on this leg of mine. But when he started talking about elephant shoes, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe I need to get myself a Mark Winter elephant shoe on this gimpy foot of mine. <laughs> I promise that is not your new nickname. I will not be calling you elephant shoes from now on. This is uh, yeah, it's serious business, serious business. Oh, I know. Well, if I can't make light of it, who else can? I exactly. Mean. So um, looking forward to seeing everybody out there on the road. By the way, we did get printed up some new bumper stickers with our logo on it. So if anybody wants to pop that on their van, just stop by one of our booths and we've got them for you. Yeah. And if you interrupt me while I'm talking to a client, uh, I will. There will be violence. <laughs> he will uh, he will spew venom and <laughs> hatred eyes your direction. Same same here. But uh, no, uh, no, we'll just have them out. You guys can just come by and grab them. It, they're, they're free. You don't pay anything. Spread the word. Thanks for listening. All That's that good right. stuff. It's always fun to see the stickers out on all the road vehicles as we're driving around. It gives uh, gives Mark Winter another thing for him to poke fun at as he's passing me getting my speeding ticket. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, thanks for listening this week, and we will see you all down the road. Thanks, Douglas. I'll see you on the road. 
This podcast is brought to you by the National Association of Independent Artists. The website is naiaartists.org. Also sponsored by Zapplication. That's zapplication.org. And while you're at it, check out Will's website at willarmstrongart.com and my website at sigwithglass.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to be notified when we release new episodes. 